0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Book Faces Live, the show where we talk the faces behind your books. I'm Nathan Van Koops, and today I am thrilled to bring you an interview with my guest, Risa Walker. Uh, Risa welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm, I've been really looking forward to this episode and this interview uh, for a variety of reasons. One, we, we write in similar genres, but also we've known each other for a long time. You've been one of the... Uh, Best inspirations for me as a writer starting out, and I think your story wow. has, has been great. <laughs> thank I, you. I just wanted to say, you know, thank you first of all for you've given me a lot of support over the years, and uh, it's been fantastic. So, I'm super excited to talk to you.
1: Well, I'm like I said, I'm delighted to be here, and uh, glad that we have books coming out around the same time. That's always cool.
0: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's very, it's always very exciting. Um, so, for people who don't know you. Um, I'd love for, one of the ways I frequently start out these episodes is um, if, if you could tell people a little bit about what they can expect if they pick up a Rice or Walker book. What is it that that you write?
1: I think well, it's definitely speculative fiction. I doubt I will ever write anything. Well, maybe some mysteries, but generally, okay. um, I like to write as I think most writers do in in genres that I enjoy reading. Mm -hmm. And I tend to get very bored with things like reality TV, um, slice of life, puts me to sleep. If it could happen in my backyard, I'm probably not going to want to read about it. And because I write like a reader, I usually don't know how the story's going to end when I start. Yeah. Uh, sometimes even in the middle. Uh, <laughs> um, and since that's how I write, I think it's it's probably natural that that's what I gravitate toward writing. So really, when you pick up one of my books, you can probably expect uh, something that would not happen in your backyard, but that could conceivably, hmm. if you pushed <laughs> your imagination far enough, happen. Because I don't tend to write like high fantasy okay. and that sort of thing. I like to ground it most of the time in the real world, or at least what could conceivably be the real world in the future or could have been in the past.
0: Mm -hmm. And I understand you uh, grew up down here in Florida. You uh, were a Florida panhandle girl initially. Yes, I was. And had sort of a rural upbringing. Um, How did that rural lifestyle affect your love of reading and how you got into becoming a writer?
1: I spent the first roughly 17 years of my life horribly board. Um, so I tended, when I had a book, I read a book. If I didn't have a book, I yeah. reworked how I wanted the book to be, be in my head. Mm-hmm. So I would think of alternate endings long before they had those books that, you know, you tell the end of the story. Or they may have had them, I just didn't get them. Yeah. <laughs> but um, books were a little bit scarce because we were 10 miles away from the nearest library and about mm-hmm. 20 miles away from a bookstore. And, you um, Books were really expensive back then, too, so, mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't tend to get them that often. My grandmother would load my arms up with Louis L'Amour and Barbara Cartland and um, various mysteries that she read um, by the time I was like 10 years old, so that's what I read, but it was really science fiction. that Once I got my hands on those, that's
0: what yeah. I read.
1: Yeah, yeah. I... And too. It's kind of a mix. I, I love to read horror books, mm. but... I don't like horror
0: movies that much. Do you I find, don't
1: like blood and
0: Yeah, I don't need it. Um, I've, I've always wondered. Like, you write um, technically, what you write is young adult. Though mm-hmm. I know you've we've talked in the past, and a lot of your readers are are older readers, um, not necessarily a young adult audience. But do you feel yeah. like you're do you feel like you're writing to that still writing to that younger version of yourself who is looking for those books? Um, I hadn't thought of it that way,
1: but I probably. I mean, I wouldn't be writing typical YA if that was the case because mm-hmm. I was reading adult books yeah. by the time, you know, I was 10 years old. Like I said, that's what my yeah. grandmother gave me. That's what I read. And there wasn't as much of a, a young adult genre back then. Really. Right. So, uh, not that there weren't books for young adults, but mm-hmm. I, I think I probably am to some extent. I'm very much writing books that I would want to read. Yeah. Um, my next series, Actually, will not be young adult. It will be a continuation of okay. the Chronos files, but it will not be young adult because I really, really couldn't find a way to make it logically happen that another young adult ended up with this Chronos key. The story yeah. I wanted to tell it just didn't fit for yeah. it to be another young adult. And um, I, I think that I'm also at a point where. If they need to curse, I'm. I, I kind of want them to be able to do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can understand that.
1: It's getting. I'm, I'm stretching it thin with villains at this point. I mean, yeah. there's only so many villains you can have that yeah. keep the language PG because most villains, long, most heroes, won't.
0: Right. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, you were prior to um, Timebound in the Chronos Files, like you were a history professor. Right?
1: History and government. Um, History
0: and government. Okay, so did that factor into the fact that you wanted to write time travel or you started writing this uh, time travel series? Do you Uh, think your history background? Yeah, definitely.
1: At at the end there, I was teaching mostly online. Mm. And and, um, I was getting a lot of students who were so bored with history by the time they got to my class Mm. that it took a lot of little side stories and anecdotes to convince them that history could actually be kind of fun uh, because they they had been bored to tears in their earlier history classes. And Mm -hmm. so there was part of me that wanted to grab them before they were bored. And show them that there was cool stuff in history, and a lot of my time travel—it's going to have the quirky stories, the odd little side stories that you didn't know as much about, that wasn't focused on in the history books. I'm not inclined to, you know, write World War II revamped through my time travel or whatever. Mm. Um, But it's—I've often joked that if you take a history professor and a sci-fi fan, and you merge them, which is exactly what I am, you're going to get time travel at some yeah. point, or alt-history, one or the other, and um, I've written some of both, so.
0: Yeah, that that makes sense, and you've done, I think, an excellent job. I've read Time Bound, and, and I, the amount of detail you put in, especially with the H.H. Holmes storyline, there, there was a lot of great history there, and I, I definitely could tell the the effort that you put in there and, and yeah and I'm a bit result. of a
1: World Fair geek um as per- particularly that World Fair because so many individuals um, converged on that mm. one area and so many things kind of spun out of it that there was never any doubt where my heroine was going to go in the first book she was going to the World's Fair because that's yeah. where I wanted to go if I had a Chronos Oh, excuse me, I have a promise I have a <laughs> That's where I would I would have gone, so.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I'd love to talk a little bit about Time Bound, because it started out as uh, Time Switched Zero, and then mm-hmm. you won the uh, 2013 Amazon Breakthrough Novel Award. You were the grand prize winner. Five years
1: ago this month, yeah. <laughs> Congratulations.
0: Happy anniversary. Um, Thank you. Can you talk a little bit about how that changed everything for you, and what that prize meant for you.
1: It was huge. It meant that I was able to quit the day job because mm-hmm. and and really winning that year meant that in it, the next year the the setup was somewhat the same in 2014, mm-hmm. but prior to 2013 it had been handled by Penguin Publishing. The um grand prize was much smaller. They had two 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 winners and it was uh, I think it was $15,000 um uh, advance on royalties. Mm-hmm. In twenty thirteen they changed that. You had five winners, uh, one from each of five different genres, and then you had one prize winner. The genre winners were fifteen thousand, which would not have allowed me to quit the day job. Right. But the grand prize was fifty thousand, and that was just about what I was making for a year of teaching. I took a, a leave of absence initially, mm-hmm. and then when Skyscape said they wanted sequels. I said bye bye because I was yeah. already mad my employer anyway.
0: Yeah.
1: academia has changed a lot; you have a lot less latitude, mm-hmm. and uh, in terms of how you teach now than you did um, back when I started. And so, I, it was time for a change.
0: Yeah, it's a fantastic story, and and um, and, and
1: having it having it picked up by Amazon publishing made a huge deal too. Mm-hmm. Because I was coming in just as they started the Kindle First program, mm-hmm. and the fact that Timebound got a Kindle First launch, it, truly, I think that made all the difference in terms of the entire series. Because so many people um, ended up uh, um, picking that up when it was a Kindle First selection. Mm-hmm.
0: And it seems like you have a great relationship with Skyscape. I understand that you have been able to publish uh, independently publish your novellas on the yes. side. and they,
1: They've been wonderful with that. As a matter of fact, it, um, the novellas that I published, or the novella I published that first year, was um, I ended up earning almost as much from that one year as I would have from teaching. So it was. Wow. Um, because it's a huge difference between mm-hmm. the royalty you get published and mm-hmm. the royalty you get um, as an independent author. Mm-hmm. But the difference is, if you've got both, if you're hybrid, it means yeah. when they promote the novels, it's kind of like your novellas are in a little hammock there, and they get lifted up yeah. with uh, with the others. And so it's um, and, and they've been great in terms mm-hmm. of their flexibility. They said that they did not generally like to publish novellas, but if I wanted to do them fine. And they've been that way with short stories, too. I've got, what, probably six or seven different Chronos Files short stories that are in different uh, short story anthologies. Mm. And although they've changed the way that works, and it's a little more complicated than it used to be in terms of spinning them off, it still allows me, it it has allowed me to keep the Chronos Files alive while I was working on the Delphi trilogy, Mm. which I kind of needed to get
0: out of my head and before I went back to time travel. Yeah. My I'd like to talk about that in a second, too. Um, we had a okay. com- comment from Kay. Kay says, Hi, Rice, I just purchased your five-book Chronos Files series. I hard- can hardly wait to start it. And she says, Loved your motion cover for Timebound, which which is pretty phenomenal. So cool that they yes. got to do that for your book.
1: Yes. That was fabulous. That whole process was a lot of fun. It took longer than we thought it was going to take, mostly because there were historical details and stuff but unlike Mm. if you're illustrating something that is you know set in the contemporary world or whatever if they're drawing pictures for that you don't necessarily have to get details exactly right Right. you've got an existing three book three novella series and there are some things that had to be the way it could because the illustrations are on the page right Mm. next to the descriptions so um, it required a lot of back and forth, but we got a phenomenal artist for that, and um, it uh, the Kindle Kindle Illustrated or Kindle Kindle in Motion is what they're calling it now. Mm-hmm. It's Kindle Illustrated. Whenever I first uh, first signed up for it, but yeah. um, I, I was really happy with that.
0: Super cool getting those um, illustrations as as you go along the story. It, it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and I'm sure also besides just having the illustrations be accurate for your text, I'm sure that historical readers, historical fiction readers, are probably a little bit picky about you getting things right historically.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Although, oddly enough, they seem a little more forgiving on the historical details. I've only had a few quibbles on that. It's usually things like there are only... Three above ground subway stops between that location and the location where she got off in DC. That's the kind of stuff. Really? Yeah. On. And of course, I I'll come back because I I'm too argumentative, and I'll go. Excuse me. You're assuming she got on at White Flint. She did not get on <laughs> <that laughs> blocks earlier. She went in the other direction. So because I lived in the DC area for a while, I knew yeah. the subway stops. I stared at them every morning on the metro.
0: So yeah. <laughs> That's that's funny. I know with uh, science fiction readers, of course, too, just in general, can be very particular, I know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'd love to, to talk about um, your second series. The Delphi uh, series is, is Delphi Trilogy. It, clearly, you wrote Trilogy. So is, are you, is it done now? Or you definitely have said this is three and done?
1: Um, sort of.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not committing um, to
1: it? Yes. It will be three. the The third and final novel comes out in October. That will be okay. the Delphi Revolution. There is a novella that has just come out. It should. It's it's on Kindle now, and it should be on Audible shortly. I was. I'm willing to wait a little while to get Kate Rudd as the was the deal. So
0: right. um, because she's
1: narrated you. most of the stuff in uh, in in my two worlds I've written in. Um, but the uh, there is. A strong possibility of some spin-off, lighter mysteries from the Delphi Trilogy. Okay. Um, they they will be very different. I uh, think uh, Scooby-Doo in some ways, <laughs> that kind of light. But yeah. um, those will be co-authored. Um, okay. I'm currently working on a co-authored project. Uh, um, and that, uh, that author will be working with me on those as well. So um, that's... That's a little ways down the pike, though, because I've got the Chronos file uh, sequels that are coming up next and also this co op project. So um, it's going to have to wait a little
0: while. What was the transition? I mean, the Delphi um, trilogy is is obviously a really um, interesting concept with, you know, these teenagers having these paranormal sort of powers. And um, what was the, the process like for you did you pitch that to Skyscape and say, well, I've got this other idea. Would you be interested in this? How would that work?
1: Yes. Um, when I finished uh, the um, the last book in the Chronos file series, Times to buy they asked me what I was working on next, and that was part of the contract, is that they had mm. the right of first refusal. And mm. I had started the Delphi effect... Actually, before I finished Chronos Files, I started it after um, Timebound. Um, before I think I started it before I yes, it would have had to have been before I uh, before I won the ABNA. Okay. And um, it was just something that kind of popped into my head when I was driving kids to school. Or, convergence of three or four different songs on the playlist and it's like, mm. oh, I need to get that down. So I came in came in and wrote like five chapters in a couple of days in that, which is fast for me. Yeah. And um, so I had those chapters written and I wrote out the synopsis with the note that I always give to my editor saying, You know that I am a pantser and not a plotter. <laughs> this you will look back at this and you will laugh, and laugh. <laughs> And, and that's true, I always send them the previous one when I yeah. send them the, the next synopsis, which I just finished doing for the Necronus series, yeah. and uh, I say, most of this isn't gonna happen, but the <laughs> synopsis, here it is, here's what I think right now might happen, but the characters aren't together yet, and uh, yeah. this could go in an entirely different direction. And yeah. it will, I know it will, because if I don't listen to the characters, they stop talking.
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting style, especially um, you know these days when there's a, such a big emphasis on on plotting. And um, I'm glad to see that you're still having so much success with well, that I end up reverse
1: plotting a lot of times because I mm. will get once I know how the story ends, then I do have to backtrack mm-hmm. because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cheat the reader by not right. leaving hints along the way as to what's happening. Mm-hmm. But um, to get kind of bored with a story if I know exactly how it's going to end. I mean, there have been, there was one case with the, the, was it the, yeah, the first Elphi book. I really didn't know who had had committed an almost murder. Um, mm. I did not know who that was until, it's like, wow, she did it. <laughs> you got to figure it out <laughs> okay. along with the... Yes, I've known this all along, but I didn't yeah. really know it. So, it, and, and it, I had left clues for myself all along. So it's just, that's going
0: on in there. I love that process of writing where sometimes it's just looking at the pieces that you've already have on the board and then mm-hmm. rearranging them and being like, oh, wait, I already have everything I need already here. Just kind of put it together in the right order. Um, it's
1: like a moment and that's, that's the one you live for as a writer because all the others are the grueling, you know, getting something on paper. But when it all starts to, to come together, it's and I'm yeah. going to sound like the A-team if I keep going. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, that's funny Um, so we've had a couple more people liking things and I see some happy faces popping up which is good Um, so thank you for your likes thank you for your comments everyone who's watching and uh, if you have questions or comments um, we'll definitely get to those so feel free to post things up if you have any questions for for Risa during the interview or if you have questions later on if you happen to be watching the replay and you have questions that you want to ask in the comments um, Risa would be happy to come back on and answer some of those questions for you in the comments so you Marissa, You mentioned a couple things which I thought were interesting just now one was you mentioned a convergence of songs on a playlist as being <laughs> inspiring for you like do you write to music typically or do you get inspired by music frequently
1: I do frequently get inspired by music mm-hmm. um, for for the Delphi effect it was my I'm dragging my kids to school I got their playlist on a Coldplay song that my youngest light came on that had to do with 42 is the name of that one and it's um, those who are dead are not dead. They're just living in in my head. And okay. then um, there was something else. And then I got in and turned on my playlist, and it was Taken and Sarah. I was walking with a ghost, and I'm like, oh, okay. Now I've got mm. to. Oh, oh, lately it's so quiet. By OK Go was the other one. That, oh, uh, and they they just it was just one of those weird things, and it kind of cemented the storyline, at least the initial storyline in my head. The character, I guess, is is Anna's character was there after those songs and a little bit of writing. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as what I usually write to, it's either got to be something that I fully know the lyrics to, or um, I will occasionally turn on a Pandora playlist that is Vitamin String Quartet, isn't that the name? I think that's Mm -hmm. right. Vitamin String Orchestra, something like that, which Mm -hmm. plays... indie pop, indie rock kind of songs, but with no lyrics. It's, it's not elevator music, it's better than that, but yeah. I'll have you know, the tune going through my head without the lyrics to distract me. That's cool. And occasionally, I'll just have to go to straight classical if I'm getting too distracted. So.
0: That's fun. Um, Kay asks, how do you develop so many different character personalities?
1: They just sort of develop themselves. I know Mm. that's going to sound weird. Um, Occasionally I will think I need a character like this, Mm. but usually that character doesn't end up being anything at all like I thought they were going to be. A good example is Mm. from The Chronos Files. Connor changed dramatically by the time he was in three scenes. He wasn't Mm. at all what I thought he was going to be. Um, and frequently that's true of villains as well, because they will be a little more one-dimensional when I'm thinking about them. But, I mean, they have a backstory and they have a life, and there's Mm -hmm. a reason that they um, ended up like they did. So, usually by the time the story's over, the villains a whole lot lot more sympathetic than they would have been at the beginning, with some exceptions. there, there are some people who are just a rotten. Nun. <laughs> they came, they came that way, and they stayed that way. Yeah. So, um, um, but it's it. They just pop into my head. I don't really. It's, it's it's one of those things that I don't really have a good answer for. Sometimes I will wake up in the morning and I'll have a clue to a character that I didn't have before. Hmm. Um, but, and and they end up being very much like friends because. When you have to kill them off, oh God, that hurts. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I can I can understand that for sure. Um, you and I have another uh, similarity in that we're both night owls. You've mentioned mm. in the past that um, you stay up pretty late working. Um, do you feel like you write better at certain times of day? Like I write, write
1: much better uh, at, in, in the wee hours of the morning. Mm-hmm. And um, it has to be that I stayed up to reach those the hours of the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, quite often my best writing is just after I've told myself, okay, give it up. You're not going to get anything else done tonight. Go to bed. And yeah. then the next 500 words spews out. And it's yeah. better than, you know, previous thousand that I did during the day. Um, and I have always been a night owl. Um, my dissertation was written almost entirely at 2 a.m., and now that is even more the case for me, because as a government and history professor, the world is a bit complicated right Mm. now, and um, the news cycle has to end before I can get anything written. Mm. Um, Once the news cycle ends, and nobody's tweeting, and nobody's, you know, then I'm like, okay, now I can get... Focus on what I need to be writing, I can get back into the fantasy world because sometimes it's hard for me to um, especially given the the topic of the Delphi trilogy, which was decided before everything went crazy um, it uh, it was hard for me to to focus yeah. on that book in particular until everything quieted down.
0: Can you tell people a little bit about that series? The
1: series is um, i Joke that it's kind of X Files meets the X Men, um, mm-hmm. but that's just that's your elevator pitch, and everybody knows that doesn't really. Um, it's it's about a very real government program that mm-hmm. started. It was called the Stargate program. It didn't have anything mm-hmm. to do with the Stargate series, um, but it it came um, it developed out of military intelligence and out of the CIA's attempts to find out whether or not people actually had psychic abilities that mm. they could boost. So the the basis of this story is that, yes, they did find something that could be boosted, and it was passed along without any, or with fewer restraints to their offspring, and sometimes in very problematic ways. So it's pulling in from uh, a number of concepts. Some people have drawn uh, similarities with Firestarter, mm. except it is... Um, it's Yes, we have a couple that are pyrotechnic in there, but the, the main focus is Anna's ability because she picks up psychic residue, whatever you want to call the leftovers, ghosts. Okay. Um, and that makes her particularly attractive to this government agency because she can pick up the powers of other people. So they mm. can have a multi-powered individual. Um, if they have her and people like her and um, it's it was a fun series to write I really enjoyed it and that's one reason I' kind of like to continue it um, in in the background but it was the villain in that series is a third party political candidate who is crazier than anything anybody had imagined he's mm. just way over the top he builds this program up to push his political career, um, and uh, kind of gets a hysteria going about these powered individuals. And and it became difficult to top the news at some point, Mm -hmm. because I was having people, you know, sending, how did you know this was going to (laughs) happen? (laughs) happen people write this stuff all the time it's just i happen to land in the middle of it and i finally decided just to embrace it at that point it was Mm. i could either avoid it and and try to keep things very neutral or Mm. i could retitle the second book the delphi resistance and the final one the delphi revolution and just say it is what it is either you know either you're there for it or you're not yeah and that's okay
0: (laughs) we have um Another follow-up question from Kay. She says, now that you have all these people in your head, do, you, do they continue to talk to you long after you've finished writing about them?
1: Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, and, in fact, I have one novella that was because the character would not shut up. And he may even end up being in the next Chromos Files series because mm-hmm. he still won't shut up, and that is one of the villains, Simon. Um, he, he had more to say. Mm-hmm. And so I could not really get on to or get back to the Delphi trilogy after I finished up Chronos until I just let Simon spew. And so right. <laughs> Simon says is his story, and it was chosen the title for a very good reason because he just needed to he needed <laughs> to tell everybody his side of things. And and I think partly because there's a t- I mean he is he is a bad guy and. Mm-hmm. um the series does not necessarily explain his good side. It's, mm. it, it leaves some hints, but you don't see what turned him. I mean, if you met your mother before, if you, let me, if you met your mother when you were older than she was, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: pretty much the first thing she ever did was call you, I'm not going to say it, but <laughs> a bad name, <laughs> it probably would shape your personality. I mean... Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that's, Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, I'm curious to hear more about his backstory. I'll have to check that out. Um, that's really cool, and it's exciting that you're developing more of the Chronos Files series. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of your readers will be thrilled to have more of that I, world. I
1: needed a time travel break because I I yeah. joke that my mind is like a twisted ball of spaghetti after time <laughs> survived, and I probably. Yeah. I'm probably making it worse this time around because it's not just multiple timelines, but we're going to be dealing with some multiple realities. Yeah. And, um, I think you can understand I where can. that can go when you get yeah. those differences in, uh, in what world you're in at the moment. Yeah. But, um, I, I'm looking forward to getting back into it. I've got some, uh, some interesting history that I, that I want to explore and, uh, including, uh, for the final book something, um, and, and I do that much. I know at least what my main theme is usually going to be in, in, in the books. Mm. There's a uh, a witch hunt that occurred in Austria back in the 1500s mm. um, with a very interesting, um, not like typical witch hunts. So I, I think we're going to be delving into that history a little bit. I think it's going to be fun.
0: Very cool, very cool. Um, so lots to look forward to there. I understand you have a, a book that has been nominated for an award, and you're going to be attending uh, Thriller Fest coming up yes, there in a couple weeks. weeks.
1: Um, the Delphi Effect has been nominated for a YA Thriller Award, and um, which is it's just incredible to know that it will be on the list of other books that have been nominated for that award. That's yeah. um, that, That's enough right there. <laughs> Um, so, um, that's coming up this month, and, um, uh, George R. R. Martin is the Thriller Master this year, so, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to actually being there in the same room with him. Like I said, I convinced my husband to come to this award ceremony, because <laughs> he's going to be the Thriller Masters.
0: <laughs> that's going to be great, yeah, and that's, uh, in New York, is that correct? Yes, yes. And it's,
1: uh, uh... Oddly enough, in the same hotel I was just at for my son's Model UN, uh, we were up there for four days at uh, um, the uh, Grand Hyatt, oh, cool. and uh, so
0: yeah, heading I mean, back. Actually, been the Grand Hyatt. I know where the really restaurants nice.
1: are
0: now. Yeah, so that's uh, that's Thriller Thriller Fest. I have it down the, the 10th through the 14th. So if anyone's in New York mm-hmm. and wants to run out and catch rice at the at Thriller Fest, it's a chance yeah, to. I have
1: a panel that Friday early in the morning. Which okay, be, I think I may just stay up. <laughs> Yeah. It's eight AM, so I think mean, I'll light and stay up, and then go. I'll probably be much more alive.
0: Ah, that, that's that better. Do than me. I, I can't hang that late. That's that's uh, that's. Oh, I do all nighters whenever I have a deadline. Quite oh, often, gosh.
1: still, because wow. I also am a procrastinator.
0: <laughs> Those two skills go well together, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you are also very active on Facebook, I know, and people can you connect very well with people, obviously in social media. That's you know, we connected on Goodreads initially, I think, and then but also through Facebook and such. Um, do you have a, a hangout spot for readers on Facebook?
1: Um, just Risa, um just look up Risa Walker. I have an author page, and then I have mm-hmm. a personal page. Okay. Um, the personal page, you can look very quickly and decide whether or not you want to stay there, <laughs> <laughs> because uh, as a history and government professor, I, I post frequently on political and social topics. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel somewhat obligated to do that mm-hmm. when there's a lot of fake news out there. And yeah. I know that term has been appropriated elsewhere, but there is still a lot of fake news out there. Yeah. And so if I can come in and say, no, this is actually how the constitution works, yeah. and this is actually what is going on, I feel obligated to do that. I mean, it I've got a PhD in political science and if I can use that to straighten out even a few things, but that's why I keep a separate author page. I don't, um, I don't post political stuff on the author page Mm -hmm. and that way people who have an entirely different political ideology can go over there and, you know, just get updates on not just my books, but, you know, other people who are writing stuff and -hmm. and I repost that and I'm on Twitter quite often as well. So, um, and, cool. and again, um, people find out really. There's only one at Twitter that's just, <laughs> it is what it is. So.
0: <laughs> Take it or leave it there. Huh? Um, <laughs> yep, absolutely. And, and your website is uh, rice.com, which is Risa.com. very yes, easy yes, to remember.
1: Um, that's one reason I have the pen name I have. I had a four letter URL. <laughs> and I've had it since 1998.
0: And so it's. Yeah. You it used to be a web development that. company. Okay. <laughs> Well, you know, it's...
1: Occasionally, we still get get calls
0: uh, asking <laughs> <people> for hiring. <laughs> That's funny. It's so, all right. So, I understand people can get a free story there as well. They can pick up a free story from you. Yes, they can. Free uh,
1: short stories. Um, I, I think there's four, maybe five now to choose from. And um, information, I've got to update it because I haven't put anything about the abandoned up there yet because okay. I was waiting on the Audible version to do the big release, but that
0: should be in a couple of days. Okay. And Abandoned, is that out now?
1: Yes, that is out on Kindle. The Audible version is heading to market, which you probably know that means it could be three days, it could be a week. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm very familiar with that one, dealing with that one right now, (laughs) So I get 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 my audio book ready for production, too. Um, We had a comment from Dara, says, Hi, Risa, I'm a huge fan of everything you do. I love your books and your political opinions. So, got a happy comment. With you know, a, with that a happy does face. tend
1: to go hand in hand. I, mean, <laughs> I have some readers who have somewhat different political opinions than I do. But if people have read the Chronos Files mm-hmm. and they enjoyed the Chronos Files, yeah. I mean, there's a good bit of politics in that. I think there's politics in pretty much anything somebody yeah. writes. By the time they finish a trilogy, if you right. don't have some idea where they stand, yeah. Yeah. And so while there are some people, I think, who just read it for the action and the characters, if, if they were going in-depth to the mm-hmm. themes and stuff, they, yeah. they probably already know where I stand.
0: Yeah. Well, there's a lot of you goes into your books, so that's, that's it, to it be does. expected. And when,
1: you're, when you're talking about history, I mean, I the side of history I taught was women's history. Mm-hmm. I focused on civil rights movements. Um so that's what I'm going to focus on in, um, in the history that I tell, probably. Yeah. And I have long had issues with religions that are domineering and money-hungry. Mm. And that's the Cyrus. That's where mm. they came in, in my stories. Um, so, I mean, that's a lot of politics right there and just yeah. two, two kind of sub-themes. Of my book so yeah, people generally know who you yeah. are from what you write.
0: Yeah, you've got a great Without vehicle. You to hit
1: them over the head with it.
0: Exactly, you've got a great style, and you were able to to put it in a story that everyone can enjoy, regardless oh, of their political opinions. I think you've done a great job of that. So to be commended on that. So, so, Risa, thank you so much. I know we're coming up uh, a little over half an hour now, but like, thank you so much for taking your time to uh, come and chat with me.
1: I was delighted to be here. And like, like you said, if anybody has questions, um, just post them, and I will be happy to stop by and answer them. And, you know, if, if you're so inclined, contact me on Twitter or Facebook. I do. I comment
0: back. So, All right. Thanks so much. That's fantastic. Um, thank you for everyone watching, um, and we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Right, thanks. Bye.